Welcome to a new episode of the Sunday Sauce. I'm here with a guy who served our country. He's a first generation American. His name is Billy Prempa. I said that right, right? I got that Billy this Prempa. time. Close enough, close enough. I try, yeah, I, I'm sorry. Um, Just don't think about it. Just let it roll off. No, no, it's got to let it roll off my <laughs> tongue, man. But uh, listen, Billy, welcome to the Sunday Sauce. He's actually running in New Jersey for uh, the 9th District uh, Congress in Patterson, right? Am I correct? Yeah, so I live in Patterson. Patterson is the largest city in the 9th District, but there's 35 cities that encompass the 9th District. Right. So um, now it's kind of funny in Patterson. I know Patterson's like a rough, it's a rough city, right? Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, it's gotten worse as time has progressed. Um, in 2021, well, 2020, I should say, they surpassed 1989's numbers with 29 uh, I mean, 27 shootings, murders, unfortunately. Um, 2021 surpassed that with 29. So we're up 83% from where we were. Um, it's really bad. So Bill Pascrell is the current guy there, right? A long time. Yep. You For nine years, right? I did my research. No, 26. Wait, 26 years? Yes. Oh, but, but, oh, it was redistrict. Is that is that what I'm missing? Yes, it was re, it right, was redistricted. Right, he's right. been he's been congressman. He's congressman. been congressman for 26 right. years. Yes, okay, but okay. Uh, Patterson, you Patterson, and most of the district used to be in, in District Eight before, okay. Okay. Uh, but District Nine. Yes, yes, that's exactly. that's where I lost. It was redistrict because I remember you know we have a mutual friend Rick Maida. He he uh, told me that he was running for a certain district and now he's getting redistricted. So, yeah, everybody's everybody's doing the musical chairs thing. Right, right, now. right, right. So, all right. So now um, this guy, Bill Pascrell, he's like an old white dude, right? Uh, for the most part. Yeah. This old guy. You know, he uh, I'm sure in the past he stood for a couple of things. As of late, he's literally falling asleep at the wheel. This guy's been falling asleep whenever he gets a chance. Let's let's read Patterson's demographics because this is where this is where I'm I'm confused, right? So I a little bit about you know we never met. So I live in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. I don't know if you've ever been here. Have you ever been to Bay Ridge? I've been, I've been there before, okay, yeah. so you know it's like Italian, very Italian. Yep, Greeks, whatever. So if I ran in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, right, I'd probably have a good shot at winning because you know this this is my demographic, right? You're 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 a, you're a guy. Um, you're from your parents are from Ghana, right? Yeah. So you're 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 an African American. Um, so in Patterson, the, the dominant, the dominant actually demographic there is Spanish. When I was mistaken, I thought it was African-American used to be when I was a child, there used to be a lot of, uh, so Patterson changed quite a bit. When I was right. a child, there used to be a lot of Italian and black, a little right. bit of Spanish. Right. Now it's all the Spanish for, and, and black for the most part. Right. Right. So I, I just read the demographics from 2021. It's actually 35% Spanish and 26% African-American. Right. And yeah and 30% white. So how is a old white guy keep winning these races when someone like you comes along who stands for, you know, you're, you're, you seem like a pretty, you, you did your service in the military. You, you seem like a pretty uh, put together man. You, you have good values. You seem, you grew up in Patterson, you know, Patterson. So, so still what, live in Patterson. You still live in Patterson. Yeah. So you're on the, you're on the street. You're in, you're in the, you're like, so what's, what's the disconnect here? I'm very confused. I, I, I'll tell you what it is. It's um, it's muscle memory. You know, a, a guy like him, he's been there 26 years before that. He was a mayor of Patterson before that. He was an assemblyman before that. He was a, a school teacher. Um, this guy has over 40 years in politics. So a place like hmm. Patterson um, in this race, I don't care what anybody says or what anybody tells you. If you don't win Patterson or you don't make a significant dent in Patterson, you're going to lose every single time. Um, that's because Patterson makes up 35 percent of the vote mm -hmm. uh, in the city of Passaic makes up another 50 
15%. So collectively 50% of the vote right. if you don't win those two cities. Um, he's been here for a very long time. So that kind of name recognition, you got people's moms, people's fathers, grandfathers, uncles, aunts that have been for, for decades voting for the same guy. Um, this is also an area that Democrats have had control of for over 40 years. Right. Um, nobody tends to vote Republican because there are no prominent Republicans that run mm-hmm. um, or run at all, if, mm-hmm. if, if that. Um, the Republicans that have ran against him in Congress in the past um, got little to no support from the party. I myself got little to no support from the party in 2020. But despite that, um, we, we had a, a very effective guerrilla strategy. We kind of focus on talking with a lot of the unaffiliated voters and the Democrats that are frankly disenfranchised. Um, you, you look at the numbers and you'll see that, you know, with all the with all the Democrats that they have in the district, there's still a significant chunk of unaffiliated voters. There's more unaffiliated voters than Republicans. And the truth is, you got to ask yourself, why are these unaffiliated voters not Republican or why are they not Democrat? And the answer is simple. There's never been a Republican to even speak with them or, or, or anyone that's ever rubbed shoulders with them and give them an alternative perspective politically. So when all you see are Democrats and that's what you've heard your entire life, you're going to vote Democrat. Mm-hmm. So a guy like me comes out of nowhere. You would expect me to be a Democrat, but I'm absolutely not. I was at one point, but then I woke up. Um, so with uh, with that being said, it's uh, voting for what you know versus what you don't know. Um, now we have a lot more name recognition. A lot of people are aware of what we're doing. And frankly, the best thing that could have ever happened to the Republican Party is Joe Biden himself. Yeah. Um, the Got more he right. messes up, the, the, <laughs> the, 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 the better for us, because people are waking up to realize that there's actually an alternative to this Democrat thing. So, I mean, according to Ballotpedia, I don't know how how right it is. You actually did a for like a no name person. You you actually did a pretty good job. Thirty one ninety eight thousand votes against yeah. Bill Pascoe. That's pretty good. I mean, that's that's not yeah. bad at all by any means. Yeah. So if you if you look at the numbers, like over the past 20 or 25 or 30 years, um, no one's really gotten that close as a Republican um, to Bill Pascrell. And uh, we were able to accomplish that. And like I said, that was uh, a lot of reaching out to unaffiliated, disenfranchised Democrats as well, because you look at those numbers and you'll see um, that statistically the the Republicans get about sixty five thousand on the high end, Mm -hmm. about fifty thousand on the low end. So regardless, I I, I could count on at least at a minimum fifty thousand thousand republicans coming out so mm. if the gap of republicans is uh, if, if it's seventy nine thousand republicans we got fifty four thousand that are coming on the low end the main focus in my opinion should be the hundred seventy nine thousand unaffiliated and try and get them over to the republican side as well too and it was I mean, a presidential year i mean in the in the primary too you just whooped ass in the primary it wasn't even a wasn't even a challenge the guy that you were running against he he just dropped out because he just knew you know, yeah, well, 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 he, he dropped out, but didn't officially drop out because he stayed no. on the ballot. Right. Um, but the but but he also didn't live in District nine. He mm. was in District five running in oh, nine. OK. Um, and, and the truth is this. And, and when we had debates, we were talking about it. I would ask that very simple question. Are you going to campaign in Patterson? Because if the answer is no, and you're going to give me some lame country club Republican answer of mm-hmm. I'm going to go to Milford and all these little suburb towns and raise mm-hmm. money and mm-hmm. avoid Patterson, you've already lost. I don't care right. what you say, you lost. Right. So do you think you can kind of piggyback off of uh, Jack Citarelli's, uh almost victory against Phil Murphy? Like, do you think the Republican Party in New Jersey can really turn a corner in 2022? 
Absolutely. Um, there's there's a couple of things about the, the Jack Chitterelli race as well, too. Is listen, there was people on on all sides, many of them that were very hardcore Republicans, at least the ones that I know of and the ones mm-hmm. that I, I'm kind of with the real hardcore conservative Trump Republicans um, voted for Jack. Many didn't necessarily agree with Jack, but it was either Jack or was Governor Murphy. You know, um, nonetheless, we got 48. He got 48 percent um, as a Republican in Passaic County, which is extremely, extremely significant. Um, I believe and, and this is the same thing that I've told Jack. I, I honestly 178 percent believe Jack would have won this race if he actually came into the inner cities. He didn't come into the inner cities at all. Mm. He had a couple flyers here and there, but he focused on fundraising and other areas. But he never went into the cities where the fraud is happening. It's in the cities where the voters are. They're in the cities where the Democrats are. They're in the cities. If you're not in the cities, I don't care what you say. You're going to lose. See, I didn't know that because, uh, you know, obviously I live in the city in New York City. So I don't really. My, so my mother actually lives in Freehold and my brother and my grandmother. That's as far as I know anything about New Jersey. I know Monmouth County was is historically a Republican um, county, but it's been Democrat lately. But they actually flipped it back over Republican in the last governor election. Um, but it's a very also a very high income county. So I, I'm sure Jack was there. A bunch of times. Yeah. yeah. I mean, these are areas and, and that's a thing, you know, it's it's um, I'm, I'm looking at, at, at some of the strategy and I'm like, Jack was going to win these these areas regardless. He was going to mm-hmm. do well in those areas regardless where he really needed to grow legs, in my opinion, was getting in the inner cities, working with the Latino community, working with the black community. Um, these were things where I believe he had ample opportunity to do, but didn't do. Um hmm. But why? But, uh, but why don't they listen to people like you who live in the community? They're afraid to come into the. They're afraid I don't to come understand. To the they're, they're, they're why? Afraid why? Come, they're, why? They're afraid to come to the hood. They're afraid. Why? They're just afraid. That's that's just it. They're afraid. You 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 talk to these guys face to face. And I wouldn't say Jack is afraid. Like like personally, I would say his, his team. Right, I would right. say his team more so because uh, Jack's got that swagger where you could take him anywhere. Like literally, he'll go anywhere. He'll fit in. Right. Um. I I think it's just like a, a lot of the a lot of the Republicans that have been very, you know, Ivy League ish. You know, oh, I've got the numbers. I've got this degree. I've met with this guy. Blah blah blah. They kind of get a little too big for their britches there's no uh street republicans as i would say like you like, like I, I guess you could say that yeah, yeah i guess yeah, you could yeah. say that because uh, uh, because the truth is is like the way i see the way i see this race and it's another one of the reasons why i'm running is the republican party is going to die if if we don't get more young people into the party. Absolutely. absolutely. You know, um, that's why I believe it's important for me to run this race. That's why I also believe it's important for us to instill these values, because if we keep going down this same progressive trajectory, there's not going to be much of a future for us to have. And I'm only 32. I, I still got plenty of years to enjoy America. So we got to right. fight for this. So we need to get young people involved in these races. And what better place to do it than uh, in the area where they're most highly concentrated? And that's the inner cities. You the said good you, news is, God, I'm sorry. Sorry. Yeah. The one, the one no. last, the one last thing I want to say on this is like the good news is this: since there's so little Republicans that are actually willing to fight these fights, mm-hmm. it actually, in my opinion, gives you a better advantage to get your word out even oh, more. So. For sure, for sure, yeah, hundred percent. But you said you actually, I heard you say you were a Democrat, right? You were. Yes. Before, so, so what, what was the turning point for you? I love asking uh, these questions to, to people that so, used to so be I, so I served in I served in the United States Air Force. I was in uh, RF Milden Hall, United Kingdom, um, and we were handling support missions for Operation Odyssey Dawn. Um, that was the the missions where Barack Obama decided to utilize our forces and NATO forces to create a humanitarian no fly zone mm-hmm. over Libya. Okay, um, and he started 
committing all kinds of atrocities, started bombing farms and hospitals and lying to the American people. And we're funding these moderate rebels who turned out to be ISIS. And mm. we're going to fight these guys. We're fighting these guys for six years. Nothing changes. They're out there with American weapons, American MRAPs. And we're, I'm like, we're putting our lives on the line to fight these people. People are dying in the Middle East. You're lying to the American public. You're putting us at risk to fight these fights and get involved in countries that have nothing to do with uh, defending the United States, our constitution, or even keeping our allies safe. We're, we're poking a bee's nest in a place we don't even need to be in. And um, had he not went into Libya and had Gaddafi killed, um, the slave trade would not be as big as it is right now. You know, so him going in there and doing that, seeing how ISIS and these, these quote-unquote moderate rebels would go all across northern Africa, go mm -hmm. to even my parents' country of Ghana, Tunisia, mm -hmm. Morocco, and uh, uh, Nigeria, and kidnap people and sell them off into slavery. I, 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 I couldn't, with, with a right mind, sit there and continue to think that I was on the right side. Uh, you know, I, I thought I was a Democrat. Everybody I knew was a Democrat, so I guess I must be a Democrat. Mm -hmm. And not only that, it's the first Black president. What an honor to serve under him, only to find out that, of course, all of his policies you don't align with at all in any way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. um, so it was a big wake up call. Um, it wasn't until I got back home that one, one of my friends, um, uh, before I went into the military, told me about Ron Paul. And I didn't really uh, pay too much mind to him. But when I saw what Obama was doing and I saw how much our country changed when I came back home, um, this is during like Occupy Wall Street time, um, I started looking into Ron Paul a lot more and I started to understand fiscal policy and understanding Keynesian economics and the difference between the two. Mm -hmm. And I began to realize that I'm actually very conservative. I'm actually not, <laughs> I'm not liberal or, or Democrat at all. Hmm. So do you think now, so when, when you when you turned the corner, you became Republican, right? Did do did, did you see anyone else in the military? Like when you were because you were well, you were only in the military for two years. Yeah. Okay. So any one of your colleagues, uh, you know, brothers in arms, sisters in arms, did they also realize like, hey man, like what the fuck? Like were you know, did they well absolutely the and, and everything everything seemed cool and normal. 2009, 2010 didn't seem like anything crazy was happening. Right. Um, you know, there was the debt ceiling issues and stuff. Right, right, right. But uh, nobody really minded that. But when we went into the whole Libya thing, people got concerned. And then uh, that reminds me, it's actually a good question that you're asking this because um, there was a, a questionnaire that they started handing out around late 2010, late 2010, early 2011. And it was asking um, as, a, as a U.S. service member, um, if given an order from the president to fire on American citizens or to or, or apprehend American citizens, would you um, follow through? It was like a questionnaire that they asked a whole bunch of questions, but there were about three, three or four questions along the lines of, will you do something unconstitutional wow. that was really alarming to me and a lot of other people in the military but mm -hmm. you know um they would saying well it's just a just a stress test essentially to see where you're at and if you're going to do that but the good news is that when they when they did that that uh, uh questionnaire about 90 percent overwhelmingly said no they're not going to do that which is good but that also scares me i'm um, seeing how the military is trying to get all of our the military today under joe biden is uh getting is trying to get troops to take a, a new oath um to the, the president and they're trying right. to purge people out and push this wokeness into our military um it's very concerning so it, it, it moved from democrat to republican kind of issue to more of uh, there's people that are in our government that say they're on our side, but are actually working in the opposite direction. And that's what I've noticed. What when you did your parents ever say, like when they came here from Ghana, did they were they ever like 
did they ever care about American politics or they just just wanted to come here and try to make a better life for you? Or did my they, they, parents they, just they, had a my parents were just having a blast being Americans, just, um, just political, in, just hanging out. Yeah. You know what? Right. They're like, you know what? I love this place. This place rocks. I'm not going to get involved. I love you that. Know what I mean, you get my parents are more so like, especially my father, my parents is more so like, look, you know, we're Ghanaians and we live in America. You guys are Americans, That's you awesome. know, so. That's awesome. you know, at some point they'll they'll pass away. We're gonna have to live and inherit this. So you know, yeah. um, they they never really got involved in politics much. Um, but to be fair, while we were growing up, life was pretty sweet. I'm not gonna lie. Compared to now, when did your parents come here? My parents came 1984 or 80, okay. 86, 86. So you were born in 89, right? I was born in 89. Me yeah. too. So we're, we're both 30, 30. Okay, there we go. Right? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be 33 next month. You can't with the gray hair. You can't really tell, but I'm only going to be 33 years old. So, you know, um, yeah, we, we did live in some lovely times until unfortunately 9-11 and then. Things, that's what uh, turned the world around. Things changed. Yep. Yes, that's they did. So that's actually, I was a FDNY EMT for, for five, six years. And 9-11 is actually one of the reasons why I joined, you know, the FDNY. So uh, recently I'm, I'm not, I'm no longer with them, but, uh, but yeah, that, that, those were good times until that one day and the whole world just went upside down, literally did a total 180. Um, but yeah, I mean, Joe Biden is really like the whole military thing. I'm, I, I watched the news. He's really like, I mean, I'm sorry to say he's like pussifying the military. Like I have friends who are currently in the military and they're like, I don't know what to do anymore. They want to leave, but they love the military. Like if you were still in the military right now, Billy, what would you do? I would have left. Uh, honestly, I, I probably still would have left the same way that I left. Mm-hmm. Um, just Why seeing did the, you leave. I didn't even ask you that. So that, that was that was the reason what right. I saw, what I saw going on in Libya and okay. realizing that uh, and realizing that this has nothing to do with defending our. It was it was the first time that it became apparent to me that, you know, you're not because like up until that point, you're wearing a suit, you're going to work, you work right. on the machines, you know, right, it's right. a job. You hang out with your friends on the weekend, yeah. right? But then it was, it was at that point that it became apparent that it's like people are going to die tonight. Okay. We're, we're we're going to war. We don't need to be in this situation. We don't need to be in this situation. But people are going to die, and you have a hand in this. Mm. You know, this is not a situation you should be in. Right. Not only is it a situation our country should be in, and it has nothing to do with defending the Constitution. That was the number one reason why I signed up. And seeing how were being used as hired guns to go and, and, and commit these atrocities, it, it completely shifted my perspective on, on a lot of things. Because it's, it's very easy to talk negatively about the military when you're on the outside. That's how right. I was. Right, you know, right. when, when George Bush was president, and I'm still no fan of George Bush, but, you know, when George Bush was president, and I'm like, oh, this guy is an evil person, and the troops are bad, but that's easier said to someone on the outside that has no idea what's really going on. Like, right. don't get me wrong. I understand why some of these wars are fought, but then I also understand that we're being used and manipulated to push these wars so that they continue on indefinitely. You know, um, this, this, this shouldn't have been a situation where we're in the Middle East for 20 plus years. I mean, we're one of the most sophisticated military forces the world has ever seen. And a guy with a satellite phone hiding in some rocks hid for an entire decade and some change. You know, well, yes, so yeah, it, yeah. and then you got to start asking yourself, well, then I start seeing, well, apparently this guy was working with the CIA at one point. Like, is this really like what are we doing here? You know, and, and when I started to see those kinds of things, um, they made me realize I'm much better suited um, supporting my country back at home. Mm-hmm. And I came back home and uh, 2020 is when I decided to uh, actually throw my hat in the ring and, and get involved in this race. Wow. I mean, 
it's 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 so crazy how you know you're on the outside and then like you know people in the military they they see some shit and then they just come back home and they're just like you know i gotta make a change at home a lot of guys can't do that so you know you know god bless you man you're very very lucky that you came home and you decided to make a change here because uh it's changes need to be made in this country. Let me, let me, let me just say that I am so sick and tired of hearing this January 6th nonsense. It was a terrorist attack. Kamala Harris comparing it to nine 11 in Pearl Harbor. Like, like, are you, are you kidding me? Come you know, what's now. the, you know, what's the scariest part about that. And, um, and it's interesting because I, it's interesting that you bring this up because it's, that's a thought that I had in my mind for so long. And I just recently watched the, uh, the Patriot Purge. Oh yeah. Um, Tucker Fox Nation. I watched it too. Yes. And yes. it's, it's, it's exactly what I was thinking in my head. Cause like, I, like January 6th, I was in DC when that happened and mm-hmm. I remember I'm, I'm in my hotel and I'm like, this is going to be used in the worst way possible to of demonize, course. to demonize uh, Americans and conservatives. Right. Right. They're, they're, they're going to use this as a way to find out the people that they don't like. They're going to weaponize this entire situation, make it into something that it's not and slowly strip people's rights, but say we're doing it for democracy. We're doing Correct. it for freedom and Correct. use all these, these horrible tropes. And like they said in that film, it's exactly like what happened in Iraq, except without the bombs being dropped, <laughs> you know, but people are definitely being, persecuted history is definitely being changed and be, the media is definitely being manipulated and mm-hmm. people are having their lives completely destroyed and locked in basements um saying they're insurrectionists but none of them have been charged with with treason insurrection or, or anything of the sort but they're using it to demonize what, what what bothers me is is what i tell these liberals when i speak to them and then they just have no answer is the guy with the hat the q anon got what an on yeah. whatever he literally walked into a place no violence, no weapons. He talked to the Capitol police officer. The cop, the cop said, hey, hey, man, you know, like, this is the most sacred building. He's like, dude, we're just taking pictures. And the cop's like, all right, all right. Sat in a chair. The guy got four years in prison. Number one, that's not necessary. Let's let's be honest. Four years right. in prison for sitting in a chair. Let's All right. But there was, what, 550 Black Lives Matter riots. We have those people on, on video. They, they were, they... Uh, lit federal courthouses on fire, which is a federal building, you know, so damaging federal yeah. property. No, no one gets caught for this. No one gets prosecuted for this. Uh, injured police officers shot people in Manhattan over luxury bags. Like, like, no, no, there's no commission over this. Like, no governors being accountable, held accountable for this. So I, I don't understand. Well, where's the disconnect? Am I missing something? Can you help me out with this? Well, and and to make matters worse, if you remember, like during those uh, those summer riots, Kamala Harris was saying that, well, we'll help you. Yes, yes, she bailed them out. out. So I'm like, you're you're giving free reign to to one political perspective, all right? And I don't want to just say that it's Democrats, because I know there's a lot of Democrats that think this is ridiculous, too. Oh, of course. course, But I would say there's, there's, there's definitely a bias to a specific train of thought or a specific Mm -hmm. train of thinking. The people that seem to... um, that, that seem to want to find every excuse to feel as if they're a victim or feel as if they're oppressed. They use us as, 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 as feel to do the things that they want. We could loot, we could rob, we could do this because we're mad and we feel this inside and we have a government force that'll actually help us and take us out of these situations. If anything goes wrong. So, Hey, he just hit that guy over the head. You know what? If I hit him over the head, I'm not going to get arrested. Oh, he's just a cop. Oh, he's just a white guy. Right. He's just some white supremacist. And you create that narrative. That guy, he had a Trump flag. He's a terrorist. He doesn't have a soul. You start to create that kind of narrative. And then it, it just splits the country even further. 
And now right. we're at a point where nobody even wants to talk about it because of fear of retaliation. I I, I want to show what Kamala Harris, what a terrorist tech is, because when I was on the FDNY, I actually responded to body part retrieval on the West Side Highway where the guy ran over all those people on the bike oh, path. Man. I'll show her what terrorist attack is. She has no clue what a terrorist attack is. So she needs to shut her mouth because the thing she says is ridiculous. But it's funny you said white supremacist. Has anybody ever uh, accused you of being one yet since you're uh, a Republican? Because, you know, like Larry Elder, he was the black supremacist in Los Angeles and he was going to, you know, he's the black supremacist for the white people. They're like, what are these people ridiculous? Like, 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 so, seriously. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm six two, 285 pounds. I'm a former professional wrestler. Like, no, no one's no ever, ever going to say that to you. Right. They'll, They'll say it on call, the Internet. Why do they call Larry Elder that this poor man? Like, he's just what is what's what's the deal? Like, because I don't people understand. Are bullies because these people are bullies and bullies are only going to attack people that they know they can vulnerably uh, you know, like people they like threw eggs him. at him. Did, did you see that video with oh, a monkey mask? With a monkey mask. Why isn't anybody saying anything about this? That is pure racism. Well, it's because Larry Elder doesn't subscribe to that train of thought that I was thinking. Right. If Larry Elder was a Democrat or Larry Elder was talking about kill your children, go to Planned Parenthood and kill more black babies, right. they'd be all over it. They'd be, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, yeah, he's the guy. He supports us. Right. But because Larry's talking about different things and he's talking about more of a perspective from a conservative opinion, no, he's he doesn't count as being black anymore. Black voices and black lives matter until you're black, until you're black and you're a Republican, you're right. conservative, you're uh, a Christian, or even if you support Donald Trump, they'll use all these opportunities to tear you apart. So, so as, as a black man, let me run this by you. How come Black Lives Matter never steps in when when there's black on black crime? Why, why is that? There's no money to be made. No money. That's it. How can I make money on, on person A and person B shooting each other and they're both black? How That's, can I manipulate that? How can I spin that story? How many times is that happening across the United States? In fact, they'll say, and this is the most irrational thing that I hear from some people. It's like, oh, you guys are focused on black on black crime, but what about white on white crime? We're not talking about white on white crime. Let me tell you why. The white people make up 60% of the population. We make up less than 13, and we're killing ourselves at record numbers. Right. We're getting locked up at record numbers. Right. Okay. So there's definitely a problem with us attacking our own. Yeah, right. nobody wants to talk about that. Nobody wants to talk about the single family households in the black Chicago. Community. I mean, Chicago. Exactly <laughs> let's, my point. Let's, let's uh, it's 100, 150 people um, are getting shot every every weekend in Chicago. And it's, it's mostly insane. it's mostly black on black. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's terrible. And Mary yeah. Lightfoot, whatever her name is. Now she'll take federal help from the government because Joe Biden's in office. But when Trump offered it two years ago. You know, that to me, she has all that blood on her hands from whatever happened between 2020 and, and now or whatever, a year and a half. That's my personal opinion. You know, whatever. That's just me. So. Well, no, I, I, I totally agree with you, man, because uh, the, the biggest the biggest frustration that I've heard, for example, in the city of Patterson, uh, Black Lives Matter painted, uh, you know, a Black Lives Matter mural in front of the Patterson Police Department. Um now, there's been some incidents where there's been police-involved shootings in the community. Okay. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, there's been three or four in the past four years. Mm -hmm. um, but they'll say, well, there's a big problem with police killing black people. <laughs> Literally, earlier today on my phone, I got a notification 
uh, people shot on 12th Avenue in Patterson, just a couple blocks from my house. Okay. You know, literally every single day I'm waking up and there's another person that looks like me that's been killed by another person that looks like me in this community. Yet they focus all their attention and say, oh, the problem is the police. Well, our mm. police are understaffed by over 200 officers. Right. Well, the 200 officers understaffed, they can't even, most of them can't even get to these jobs they need to get to uh, on time. Most of them don't even have the resources. The building in Patterson is horrendous. We're talking about a force that should be 600 strong. Mm-hmm. They're about they're about 350 and they don't have what they need. So now here's the issue. They'll go out and say that, well, we need to defund the police. Or we need to take the funding away from them. They're too militarized, right? Recently, someone was killed. Thelonious McKnight was his name. He was killed. And the police officers didn't have body camera. Right. Right. So they're saying, oh, well, the police. Oh, I think I, I saw this in the news. Yes. Yeah. So they're yes, like, yes, the police yes. wanted to go and kill this man. They wanted mm-hmm. to kill him. They wanted to say he was a racist. They said, I mean, they, they said that it was racially motivated. That's how people are, are portraying it for saying that this nine millimeter that they found next to him wasn't theirs. It wasn't oh. his, was planted. And right. look, regardless of who's telling the truth, here's the one thing that matters. Right. And this is what I've been advocating for from the very beginning. I tell so many people in Patterson, like, we need more police. We need better equipment for our police and we need more accountability for our police. And some of them, We'll say, just get rid of them all together. And I say, well, listen, this man got shot, right? It's not on video. No. That wouldn't happen if we would actually equip the police with what they need. Right. Now, here's the problem. The police do have body cameras, but the mayor of Patterson, he's technically violating state law, and he's not, he's not allowing the police officers to wear the body cams to begin with. So rather than the blame being focused on the mayor, who's up for re-election right now in May, rather than people looking to the mayor and say, hey, listen, regardless of what happened to this man, we don't have the facts primarily because of your negligence. In fact, with the body camera, there may, this may have never happened at all. Or even if it did, God forbid, we've got evidence to know what exactly happened. And because of you, we have this type of situation on our hands. But nobody wants to talk about that. Black Lives Matter, Patterson doesn't want to talk about that. They just want to say racist, racist, racist. And that's what's that with the little bit of evidence that we have, you know, and it's unfortunate that this thing happened. It should have never happened, you know, but this is a type of this is the type of narrative that's created. And I believe it's being done on purpose to destabilize our community. Mm-hmm. The weaker Patterson becomes, the more people come in and they buy up land, they overdevelop our community. And the people that live here, predominantly the black people, especially in the fourth ward where I live, one of the most violent and poorest uh, wards in the city, get pushed out while these developers buy up their land and kick you out of your own town. But that gets only possible if the crime rate is high, if the taxes are high, if the way of life is dang near impossible, it becomes very cheap. It becomes very mm-hmm. affordable. So mm-hmm. they're, they're literally gentrifying our community, but keeping it unsafe as is. And now that it's election time, hey, we just hired 30 more police officers. Great. We need another 220. But it looks nice on the newspaper. And this is what the Democrats do. This is what they do here. Well, you see this. This has been happening in Brooklyn over the past 10 years. So. Uh, you know, I used to, I used to live in Canarsie when I was a kid, it used to be all Italian. Now it's all, uh, it's West Indian people. It's just, it's just, and people, and in, uh, East New York, in, uh, Williamsburg, in Bushwick, all the black people and the uh, minorities are all getting pushed out. All these white people from Oregon and wherever the fuck they come from, they're all coming in. They're buying the brownstones. They're buying this and that. And unfortunately, these poor families, where are they going? You know, it's 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 sickening because of exactly the cops, these people, they want to defund the police. But when they defund the police, they don't give the cops the resources they need to keep crime down. 
Exactly. And then these kinds of things happen. So that's what people say. They don't understand when they say defund the police. They're actually hurting their own communities. But I worked in projects in the EMS and these people that live in the projects, they want the police. This is what people don't understand. Working class minorities, they want the police. It's these white liberal that are that have that hold the sign at BLM matters that say fuck whiteness. They're the ones who don't want the police. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, the, right? you know why it's, right? I'm laughing because the accuracy is spot on, bro. Listen, I keep it real on this show, dude. I'm just it telling is spot you, on. Listen, I'm telling you, I don't know, man. But listen, Billy, you gave me enough time. I really appreciate time, dude. I hope you win. Patterson and the whole congressional district needs somebody like you, bro. If you ever need my help, let me know. Absolutely, brother. And for the people that are tuning in that would like to help the campaign as well, too. Yes. Tell us visit my website, my website, billyprempe.com, www.billyprempeh.com. If you'd like to volunteer, you could do that on there. If you'd like to donate, that is extremely and greatly appreciated. Uh, You could do that as well. And share my content. I've got plenty on there, and I'm pretty sure there's a lot we all agree on as well. So, uh, Mike, thanks for having me on. I, I really appreciate it. Billy, I hope to have you again, man. You're a great guest. Thank you, brother. God bless you. You too, Billy. Thank you. Thank you.